Would you turn your Bible, please, to Ephesians, the sixth chapter? Ephesians, chapter six. May we bow together in prayer, please. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in this service. We thank Thee for the the joy of knowing that Christ is the answer to every heart cry and every need. We pray that we'll bind up broken hearts and heal wounded spirits, bring comfort to those who are bereaved, bring encouragement to those who are depressed and discouraged, and especially bring conviction to those who are lost and need a Savior. May the Holy Spirit do His convicting work today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Beginning in verse 10, Ephesians 6, there's a passage of Scripture that needs to be brought to our attention over and over again in times like these. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that in this I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now with your finger held in this passage, would you turn to Matthew 23, please? Matthew chapter 23. You recognize this as the special lesson we studied in Sunday school. Matthew 23, beginning with verse 13. And would you listen carefully to this reading of the Word? Matthew 23, beginning with verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither permit them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, who say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind. Now, boys, I want you to listen and just don't talk down here, all right? Don't talk. Thank you. Ye fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is bound. Ye fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar which sanctifieth the gift? Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things on it. And whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth in it. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him who sitteth on it. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides who strain out a net and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye are the sons of them who killed the prophets. Now, you do not need to turn to this next passage, but I want to lay on your heart this one verse, Matthew 5, 20. I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, we have before us this morning three related passages, and I want to speak on the subjects hindrances to spiritual power. Jesus gave us a seven-fold warning that is just as valid to us today as it was when he said it to the Pharisees and scribes in Matthew 23. I have outlined it a little bit different, but it really is taken just out of the Word of God. And I'd like to ask you to pay close attention to what God is trying to say to us this morning as we think of the problems that face us that are hindrances to spiritual power. In Acts 1-8, Jesus said, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And in Psalm 62, the scripture says, twice have I heard this, power belongs to God. And in Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God wants his people to be power packed. You take an old flashlight, it's been on the chest of drawers for six months or a year, and the middle of the night the lights are gone out, and the electricity is gone out, and you say, I've got to get up and I'll tell you I know exactly where the flashlight is. So you go and get that flashlight and you flick the switch and nothing happens. There is no battery power. That flashlight is useless. You just well be flicking a cucumber, cucumber as to be flicking a light, a, a flashlight that doesn't have any battery in it. It is powerless. Now, God put you and me into this world to be spiritual, power-packed persons for Him. I'm speaking of people who know Jesus Christ. But somehow, God's people have leaky vessels and the power all leaks out and there's no spiritual strength. The other night, uh, I was driving my car around town and I was having to use the lights and I noticed every time I put the brake light on, the lights would dim. And uh, pretty soon the lights kept going down and down and I just should have noticed it and I just somehow overlooked it. So I stopped at a certain place and and then uh, I got out and got back to my car, tried to start it and it just was as dead as four o'clock in the morning. Now it depends on where you are as whether four o'clock in the morning is dead or not. But some places. And I couldn't get that thing started at all. And so finally I got somebody to help me and I pulled it over uh, to uh, the filling station, left it there the rest of the night, and the next morning James fixed it for me. You know what he did? I thought the battery was dead. I thought there was a dead cell in the battery. I thought we were going to have to throw the battery out. All he did was he, the cables that connect the battery to whatever else they're supposed to be connected to. I don't know what all, you know, it runs to all those strange wires that go all over the motor and all over the car. He just sort of put some new cables in or did something to them. I don't know what he did, but he got them connected again to the power line, and then he put some power in that battery, and I'm still driving the same battery, and I got plenty of power. The problem was a disconnection. Where the outlets were, the starter, the lights, and all the things that go into running a car, they were not correct, connected properly to the power line. And the power source had dwindled away. And the generator was not generating new power. And there was all disconnected. That was the problem. And sometimes our lives get like that. There are hindrances to our spiritual power. In Matthew 23, Jesus gave a sevenfold warning to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious conservatives of his day. They believed the Bible. They believed every word of it. 
They knew where to find things in the Bible. But their heart was not in the things of God. They had become spiritually disconnected from God, from the power source. And they had substituted externals for the internal. And they were so concerned about what the outside looked like that they had no concern for the internal. And as a result, they had no power. Now it is doubtful if some of those Pharisees even knew the Lord at all. They may not have even known the power to begin with. There is evidence that some did know the power source. Apparently Joseph of Arimathea was one of them. Nicodemus was one of them. And yet these men connected themselves to the power source and when the emergency really came, they had the fortitude and the spiritual backbone to go to Pilate and say, we want the body of the Lord Jesus so we can tenderly and reverently bury it in the tomb. What happened to all the other Pharisees? What happened to all those others who knew the Bible? They were disconnected from the source, from the power source. Now in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul warns Christians, and I recognize that I speak to two groups of people this morning. Some are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because of what Christ did on the cross when he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. They nailed his, those nails in his hands. They put the crown of thorns on his brow. They drove the spear in his side and the Lord of glory the God of all eternity who had come to earth to identify with men and to pay the sin price for our sins died. He offered up his life to open the floodgates of mercy that heaven might come down and glory fill our soul and there could be grace sufficient and forgiveness for every sin. And those who receive Jesus, the living Savior, the one who got up from the dead on the first day of the week, they received him as Savior they're saved, not by what we have done, not by the works of righteousness which we've done, but by His mercy He saved us, not because of the waters of baptism, not because of the roles of church membership, not because of the process of cleaning up our lives and reforming ourselves and sloughing off certain old habits and adding certain new habits. That's not the way we're redeemed. We're redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, from the vain conversations and the traditions of our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, we're redeemed. Our bus kids sing, I've been redeemed. And they sing, I've been redeemed. By the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb. You know that, don't you? Yeah, we sing that. And that's the way people get saved. And if you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, if you've been saved, then you are God's child. On the other hand, we speak this morning to people who have never been redeemed. They've joined the church. They cleaned up the outside. They may be gotten baptized. Maybe they never bothered to do any of that. They never joined the church, never been baptized, never changed anything. They've been exposed to religious things, but have never been redeemed, never been changed, never been born of the Spirit of God. I speak to both groups this morning. And I believe these passages of Scripture have a warning to both of us. First of all, Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, be sure that what you have is deeper than the outside. Be sure that what you have 
is more than skin deep. He spoke of whited sepulchers, but inside there are putrefying sores. And then to those who are saved, the Scripture says, watch out for the devil. For he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And in this particular passage in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, and he gives us a seven-fold charge to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the sandals of preparation for the gospel and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And then he says, above everything, pray, pray. Now, these are words of warning to believers, to God's people. He also is giving a word of warning to those who have nothing on the inside. Now, I really am in a strait betwixt two this morning, having on my heart these two passages of Scripture that I'm trusting the Lord to bring together in a meeting place because God has equally laid both of these on my soul to deliver to you this morning. The Matthew passage is a passage that warns people, be sure you have something beyond the skin, beyond the outside. Be sure that your religion, your faith, your Christianity, that what you're depending on is more than something that's on the outside that can be seen. It has to be on the inside. And if you do not have anything on the inside that has changed your makeup, your life, your destiny, that has changed your desires and your ambitions and your motivations, then all you have is an outward form. And Jesus says this is sheer hypocritical Phariseeism. And he said, woe unto you, woe unto you, woe unto you. Let's examine some of those woes. Turn back to Matthew 23 for a moment. In verse 13, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither permit them that are entering in to go in. In other words, you have no compassion for the lost, no concern for those on the outside. Secondly, verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. The sin of prayerlessness, something wrong with our prayer life, Jesus says. You know, the Lord didn't command us to make long prayers in public. Now, we don't, you know, I don't think anybody needs to think I'm personalizing them here at this church because I've never heard anybody pray a long, long prayer at this church. But God doesn't tell us to do that. Our long prayers are to be in private, in the closet, alone with God. That's what he's saying. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting with one or two people or in a prayer meeting and praying all night. But in our public praying, Jesus said the Pharisees like to stand on the street corners and pray 
in public and pray a long time because it's all outward, nothing inward. Something wrong with their prayer life. Thirdly, in verse 15, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Concern not to lead men to God, but lead them to Phariseeism. That's what the problem with the Pharisees was. That was their problem. They were anxious to lead people to become part of their sect. And we need to watch this. We're not leading people just to become church members. Remember that when we have an attendance drive, that's different from a church membership drive. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a thousand in Sunday school or two thousand in Sunday school. I'd like to see the day come when there were five thousand people in Sunday school. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Nothing wrong with that at all. But brother, we don't ever have a church membership drive. Because what do you accomplish if you get thousands of church members and they've never been changed on the inside? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plummets the depth of the soul and when those people get under the Word of God, the Holy Spirit begins to deal as only He can deal. And the Bible says, my Word is like a, a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And when the Word of God goes into a man's heart, the Holy Spirit uses it to break that hard rock till that one comes to Christ. But the Pharisees did it the other way around. They would go over land and sea to win one proselyte. And Jesus said, when you've won him, you've made him more a child of hell than he was before. And so we need to watch that as believers in Christ, as Pharisees, as Christians, whatever God's Spirit says to us. Look at verse 16. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, who say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Jesus in this section is saying, Your word ought to be your bond. You don't have to swear on a stack of Bibles 10 miles high that this is truth. I've heard people say, well, I cross my heart and hope to die if this is true. <laughs> well, what do you do that for? You just say, this is true. This is the way it is. Jesus said, your word should be your bond. And then he says in verse 24, 25, woe unto you, scribes and hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside also may be clean. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for ye are like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Jesus is saying, we need to have more than an outward form. Our spiritual life in Christ is more than just the outside. It has to do with the inside. Over and over again, Jesus spoke of this. He talked about the importance of having a changed heart. I'd a whole lot rather see a man get saved genuinely born again, his spirit, his heart get changed. And he has a tough time quitting smoking. He has a tough time quitting some old habits. Maybe 
I'm not condoning this, but maybe he's had a tough time. Maybe he's been a, a man that's sworn a lot, and cursed a lot, had a, has a hard time cleaning his mouth up. But his heart tells him every time he does that, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. How does he know it's wrong? The Holy Spirit's come to live inside, and the Holy Spirit inside dictates to him and tells him that when he gets under the Word of God. I'd a lot rather see a man like that than to see a man walk down the aisle and immediately quit all the outside things. He quits drinking, he quits cursing, he quits smoking, he quits drink, all the other things. Everything on the outside is changed, and boy, he looks like 100%, but he's never been changed on the inside. And after a while, because he's never been changed on the, out, on the inside, all those old things begin to creep back. And he said, I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. That old preacher just preaches, and I'm not going to let him tell me what to do. I'm not going to let my mom tell me what to do. I'm not going to let my dad tell me. Those old youth people over there, those, those youth Sunday school teachers, they just are all oh, their old fogies. I'm not going to let them tell me what to do. And so they start adding back all the things they sloughed off because all they ever had to begin with was that outside. That's all. Now, beloved, if that's all you have, you don't have anything. Not a thing that'll count with God. Not a thing. You have a pretty plate on the outside. You have a pretty painted cup on the outside. But inside, it's full of dead men's bones and putrefying sores, and it stinks to heaven. And God says that is pharisaical hypocrisy. Sometimes we wonder, well, why don't people just keep on keeping on? Because they never had anything in the, in, in, the, in the inside to begin with. Never, never did. You know, I've known some people that could really, really serve God outwardly, apparently. And they were really out and out for God. And then they got exposed to a different philosophy. They maybe went off to college or they went here, went somewhere, got away from the, the fire. And everything changed. Why did it change? They never did have anything on the inside. You know why I believe the Bible today? You cannot blame my understanding of the Scripture on any school I ever went to. Now, I, I thank God for the schools I went to. I thank God for them. I want to give God the glory. I first heard about the Schofield Reference Bible when I was in the seminary. They were making fun of it, laughing at it, joking about it. I got one to see what they were laughing at, and I liked it. You know why I liked it? Because it had a reverence for the Word of God, and something inside my heart said, that's it. That's it. Before, uh, when I was a young Christian, I used to go to picture shows. Man, I just feasted on Hollywood. I'd get all those uh, Hollywood magazines when I was a teenager. I read them all. I knew all those, uh, every one of them. I knew all about them. I remember, well, I'm not going to name them because that would date me, but I knew all of them. And I'll tell you, they, I, they had pinups in those days, and I had them. And, and then I heard somebody say one day, the act of consecration is canceled by one reserve. And a very dear Christian said, Richard, I want to challenge you to ask God what those picture shows are doing for you. 
I'd never asked him before. I didn't even think about it. Nobody said anything to me about it, so I asked God. And he said in my heart, why don't you try leaving them off for a while and see what happens? You'll have more money, more time. So I left those things off. And you know, pretty soon I began to feel clean on the inside. I just felt cleaner. And I didn't know what, was hap- what had been happening to me till I quit them. It's like a person that smoked all of his life and he doesn't know what fresh air smells like till he quits smoking. And then, boy, I can't get enough fresh air. And uh, he's just refreshed in it. Uh, what a blessing. You know why I've never wanted to go back to him? Because there was something in here that said, that's not for you, Richard. That's not for you. Beloved, I'll have to preach this sermon in two or three sections because I'm not going to get through this morning. (laughs) But let me just say this. Do you have something on the inside? Is the precious Holy Spirit on the inside dictating to your heart? Or is all you have what you've heard other people say? And you heard this thing condemned and this thing condemned. And so you say, well, I'll give that up for a little while. I'll give that up. And then when nobody's looking, you go right back to it. (laughs) If that's all you've got, you better examine your heart. You may not have anything in there at all. Just putrefying sores and dead men's bones. Because when Christ comes in, And Jesus takes possession of our heart and our mind. He also gets our motivations, the seed of our compassions, our love, and something inside of us says a thing is right or wrong. There's a passage in 1 John that says the believer doesn't have to have anybody teach him. The Holy Spirit teaches him from the inside. I don't think that means we don't need teachers and we don't need to go to school anymore or we don't need to go to Sunday school or we don't need preachers. I think what that's saying is that the Holy Spirit teaches us from the inside. And if you do not have that internal teaching from God's Holy Spirit on the inside, then please let me beg of you, let me plead with you to check up on your salvation. Because this whole Matthew 23 is given to say, woe unto you. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You've cleaned up the outside, but you don't have anything on the inside. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. Now, I recognize there are people that are in conflict with themselves. And the Holy Spirit on the inside tells them a thing to do, and they refuse. And so in refusing, they let the outside go, and the outside becomes dirty and tainted, and God cannot use them. And so they become in conflict. They get mad at the preacher. They get mad at the church. They get mad at Christians. They get mad at their wife. They get mad at their husband. They get mad at anybody that tries to do anything because there's a conflict on the inside. God's Holy Spirit inside is telling you. And the problem is not your mother, your father, the preacher, the church, the Christians. The problem is you are not following the dictates of the Holy Spirit on the inside of your heart. That's the problem. Before I was saved, I'd go to church and the preacher would preach and he'd point out at the people and I'd duck and hide. And, and, and when that service was over, uh, it was in the days when they wore, those ladies wore br- great big broad brim hats. I never could figure that out. 
but it gave a good hiding place for sinners. <laughs> and I'd hide. The lady would go like this, you know, and I'd hide over there. And she'd move her position, I'd hide there. And she'd move back, and I'd hide back there. And when the service was over, I'd say, I'm not ever going back to that church. That preacher just talked about me. I didn't want to go back, honest. But when the next service time came, I was back because God's Holy Spirit was drawing me. That was God's Spirit dealing with the heart. So he is with you. My time is up. I want to ask you today, do you have something on the inside? Is Jesus living inside of you? Let's bow together in prayer. With our hearts bowed before the Lord and humbled before God. Our Father, we thank Thee for the truths of God's wonderful Word. We pray that in these next moments there will be victory in Jesus. And someone who has said no to the Lord will say yes to Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? Now, I'd like to ask that no one leave, no one move around. Just stay right where you are. God's Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. The Bible says, the wages of sin, death. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says Jesus died for sinners. He died to redeem and to save and to change anybody who will come the way of the cross. Would you come His way this morning? God help you to do it. Trusting Jesus as your Savior. Confessing Christ as your Lord. Moving your membership here from another church to say, I want to go to work for God at this place, serving God here. Or coming to recommit your life to the Lord and say, I want to be what God wants me to be in the days ahead. Will you do what Jesus tells you? While we wait, while we pray. If there's someone here who'd like to be saved and you say, Preacher, I don't really know how to be saved. I'm not sure how. You come. Let us take the Bible and show you from God's Word, will you? While we pray, while we wait, who'll come first for the King? Just come.